welcome to another fun film Monday edition of Sega City Sports. We're live in the living color right here on Sports Soul Chicago, along with Mr. Lakeem McGee, which is she. I am Sydney Brown. Hey, that's me. You can follow your Shirley on a Twitter X and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter, X and Keenan's going again, the IG. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms. That's Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe to our podcast at War Media Podcast. That's W-A-R-R Media, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S. We are on all podcast platforms, including the iHeartRadio app. And make sure you give War Media a follow at W-A-R-R Media on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. We are unapologetically fun, and we have very definite opinions. If you have any definite opinions during our two-hour extravaganza we call a Sports Talk Radio Show, you can always hit us up at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. But you've decided to troll and don't do something silly, stupid, or dumb. I've given Lakina full power to give you full spiel and be a boot. Toodles. But before we begin, we must remind you, you can also catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. That's right. So celebrate with the squad and get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV. If you already have a Roku television, just tap on the sports folder and download that Sports on Chicago app. If you don't have a Roku television, just use your handheld device, your iPhone, iPad, iTouch, your Chromebook, or your personal PC. Just hit up the Google Play Store and download that Roku TV app and access Sports on Chicago through that avenue. So no more excuses. Celebrate the squad and get with the program. Sports on Chicago is now available on Roku TV. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. Live and on demand, anytime, anywhere. And you know we will provide. And we will provide. Of course, we got a busy show <laughs> coming up here on Second City Sports. Well, of course, we got our uh, we'll, we'll, we'll recap uh, Bears and Vikings, yippee, uh, and the rest of the, uh, the uh, NFL Week 6 slate, including our studs and duds, some interesting upsets that came about um, uh, last, well, ye- yesterday and last night, well, some close games. Also, too, of course, you know, same thing in college football, they're already in Week 7. Um, LCS, you know, the Rangers took Game 1, the ALCS, and LCS starts today. And you know, old school TV Monday, uh, sort of you know, very uh, poignant with the tribute you know that that happened uh, 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 yesterday, and also too, uh, we have a, a number one in the uh, college uh, hoops, who's men's on the men's side, a uh, free season poll. But first, now Bajan quickly out to the left to Mooney. Mooney able to get the sideline. Second down and six. Bajan will try to throw it, and he's able to get the first down. There is DJ Moore. Now going, you had a nice chemistry with Justin Fields, and now you have to 
Do you have the chemistry with Beijing, or is that something you got to develop on quick, fast, and a hurry? Got to be quick, fast, and hurry. You know, we got to play football. He's a baller, as you can see. So just got to get over for him and just be who I am, and, and the rest of us here will be who they are. DJ, if it is Tyson going forward for X amount of weeks, what's your role in the history of the uh, Just being available and open uh, like I've been, and uh, just just egging him on and just giving him that encouragement that he's playing this year. All right, that was our own uh, Sean Superback Sierra uh, talking to DJ Moore. Of course, that highlight is from uh, Fox, who had the game yesterday, and uh, with a with a cameo by you know by the guy to uh, DJ's uh, right, our buddy uh, Mike Berman from NBC uh, Chicago. Uh, in front of the show, yes, in front of the show, we gotta get him back on soon. Absolutely. Uh, 1914 the final oh yeah was it 1914 oh, shoot 1913 i should say the final <laughs> I, i'll be i'll be honest like like i said like i like i was talking to sid before i didn't watch like the first half of this game but judging by the tweets i could tell that oh okay pretty much expected from uh two one and four teams so not really a big shock there um you know of course justin fields you know got injured midway through the third Right at the beginning of the third quarter with the thumb injury, they're saying it's dislocated, although nothing's been official yet. They do an MRI as we speak. Um, you know, Tyson Bajan, you know, came on, you know, showed a little bit of promise in that first drive, as you guys saw in the clips. But of course, he had a you know, sack and you know, a scoop and score. And you know, Sid, what do you think? Because to me, this kind of went exactly as I as I expected. The Bears had 10 days <laughs> off to prepare to prepare for this game. You know, they seem to not really have a plan. And, you know, to Minnesota's credit, you know, that they, they got to, you know, Justin Early, you know, Fields was sacked three times. It, it's just, it was just a mess all around. So what do you think? Because uh, I know you probably didn't watch this game no more than I did. I watched, I mistakenly watched the Bears game, parts of it live via NFL Red Zone yesterday. So I mad myself for that. But I wasn't that upset as far as watching some of that live. One encouraging thing I will say about that Bears game yesterday is that they can run the ball efficiently. I know Khalil Herbert's out. I know that we have a couple other guys. Uh, Roshan Johnson, he's out as well. But you have to give uh, Darrington Evans the rookie uh, credit. He ran the ball hard yesterday for 32 yards for nine carries. Deontay Foreman uh, did his thing for 65 yards rushing off of 15 carries. That was the one thing I was encouraged uh, by. But the couple of things I was discouraged by, one, Justin Fields holding the ball too damn long. And number two, their scoring drives were field goals, Lakina. You got to turn those field goals into six points. And after that performance 10 days, 11 days ago now against Washington, this team has gone backwards. And that's something that I don't like. Now, on the flip side, the defense actually stepped up yesterday. Tremaine Edmonds had an interception. They sat Kirk Cousins, I believe, three times. And you figure, okay, it's not the 85 Bears, but it's a respectable defense. So, so the defense showed up for the second week in a row. But I got to put the partial blame on Justin Fields for holding the ball too damn long. We talked about it a million times on the show. But that coaching staff gets the most of the blame for me, especially in that first half. Those drives that ended up in field goals should have been touchdowns. I mean, for me, and uh, look, this is exactly what I, I figured that it was going to happen. I mean, like, like I said, I didn't see like the first half, but I saw the highlights, and I can kind of see why Minnesota got the lead as early as they did because of the fact that you know they weren't moving the ball very well. You know, Field was sacked four times. 
there was a whole lot of, you know, miscommunication going on with some of the offense and the, you know, the old line just couldn't get it going. Like Cody Whitehair, I think, you know, you know, they're, they're, what, what, the, what did he forget how to play center or something? Like what the heck happened there? And it's just, <laughs> like, it's, just it's one of those things where it's look to their credit to Minnesota's credit. I mean, Look, I guess the rest like a lot of people picked you know the Bears because look the Minnesota's been pretty inconsistent this year. You know, Kirk Cousins he didn't throw an interception, so I, I guess you know that that's a bright side. The run game for uh for Minnesota, you know, it was pretty decent. You know, at, you know Alexander Madison had only rushed for forty four yards. You know, there was a lot of you know receiving yards. You know, T. Hawkinson, you know, KJ Osborne. It, it was one of those things where it was really their defense. Their defense was the one that that kind of you know, got it going here. You know, Jordan Hicks, like, like, like I said, that, that scoop and score was the, the, the backbreaker. And for me, I, I think that the inconsistency of the, this bears team, remember Matt Foose is now 0 and 8 in the division. They have not won a home game in almost a year. I'm talking about the bears. So it's mm-hmm. just like, you know what? It's the same old, same old, like I said, you know, like the bears are kind of like they're look. Yeah. Yeah. We got a little bit of flashes from TJ Edwards and yeah, Sam board looked okay. You know, Justin Jones was pretty solid as well, but you know, Emma's, you know, got a much needed, um, you know, inner well, sack, but it's just like, I just didn't, whatever. I, I didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> you listen to the second city sports on sports on Chicago, the Monday edition, we're live in living color. Sid Lakina, hang on here with you discussing the Chicago bears, 1913 loss to the Minnesota Vikings. The bears dropped their record to one and five on the season while Minnesota approves that record to two and four. Let's not forget two for, for the Vikings. They were missing their star wide receiver, Justin Jefferson. And Addison, their rookie wide receiver, he stepped up yesterday. He scored a late touchdown to uh, pull pull ahead for the Vikings uh, away from the Bears. Lakina also, too, if you notice, after that injury to the the thumb of Justin Fields, when Tyson Beja got in the game, you know as well as I do, Lakina, Chicago Bears fans, whether it's uh, during our time growing up or now, the backup quarterback is always popular, and I'm sure that's his agent calling us right now to give him some deals. But Tyson Bajan came in that game yesterday and gave the Bears a spark. Now, as Lakina said, Tyson Bajan did look like a rookie quarterback. No, uh, the Minnesota Vikings didn't have game tape on him. That's why he looked good. The, until you have game tape on you, this you're going to surprise some folks, but uh, give Tyson Bajan credit. Uh, it looks like that coach's step actually had a game plan for him, and the Bears started to move the ball down the field. But uh, when it mattered most, Tyson Bajan showed himself as a rookie throwing that interception after the two-minute warning. And Lakina, just like uh, just like way back in the day, just like now, if you're a rookie quarterback coming into the game, if you're a defense on the other side, you blitz him every first and third down. That's what the Minnesota Vikings eventually did yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I think Beige is realizing that he's not facing, you know, you know, second or third or fourth string guys or guys trying to make the team. These are like, you know, Daniel Hunter is actually a pretty solid uh, defensive uh, mm-hmm. de- linebacker. You know, of course, Jordan Hicks has made some you know good plays this season for Minnesota. So it, you know, you're, you're facing a better competition, and I think that that showed. And like you said, Sid, I mean, look, we we've been look, we've known this for years. I mean, we've seen it in various eras and various you know coaching <laughs> eras, mm-hmm. you know. Unfortunately, the you know, the backup quarterback, you know, ask ask Josh McCown, ask Brian Greasy, ask uh uh Peter T. Willis, <laughs> Moses Moreno, Jim yeah, Miller, Mo- Shane Matthews, <laughs> Mike Tomczak, Steve among, Fuller. <laughs> yeah, among many, many others. Uh, uh Vince <laughs> Evans. 
Oh, oh Lord, not going on way back machine, but that one said uh, <laughs> Chad Hutchins, Chad Hutchinson, I mean, you know, but uh, I mean, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, you know, I mean, look, unfortunately, you know, we're seeing, and I, and I heard this morning on some of the various, both on both, both the uh, ESPN Chicago and on 670, the score, you know, there were you know, crowds that were saying, well, you know, look, you know, get patient and shot, you know, even if you're just going to be okay. You know, okay, guys, okay, stop. <laughs> it's just a, the whole thing is just very silly. And uh, I know some people were, I heard Chris Canty on ESPN Radio, I think this was like the, early this morning, he hosts he hosts the morning show. He said that, uh, why doesn't you know, the Bears uh, trade fields? I mean, well, for one, you know, you're not, whoever, whoever you trade you know, the fields, you know, trade fields to, they're going to want one of those, one of those uh, top five draft picks from the Bears. So, you know, you're not going to be able to get too much from him. Of course, you know, Phil's, you know, a former top 10 uh, QB. So for me, I think this is all kind of twofold. I mean, look, we all thought that this was going to be the easy part of the scheduling. Well, you lose to Denver. I know the commanders are probably saying to themselves, how the heck did we lose them uh, the last Thursday, yeah. uh, a couple Thursdays back? And then now you beat a Minnesota team where you're pretty much evil with. Now you're facing a, a Raiders team that, you know, They've been they haven't been great, but they've been okay. They had a big they got a big win um yesterday. And uh well, you're facing a pretty solid defense too, uh Max Crosby. Uh so uh, you know, good luck with that. But uh yeah, I mean, at this point, I'm just like, you know what? Uh, whatever, like the bears, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, if there's any good news in the sort of server lining here, Justin Fields' his thumb, uh, the x-rays were negative, but we'll find out how long he's gonna be out, if he's gonna be out, because if you heard yesterday, he couldn't grip the ball. And which is very important on a throwing hand, which is which you throw the ball, obviously. So, and that's why he did not re-enter the game yesterday. So, yesterday, so I don't know how many weeks he's going to be allocated. If we have that news before we check out here in the next ninety minutes, so we'll pass that along. But beyond the assumption, if you're a Bears fan, I know some of you want it because you want that that number one pick from that you have from Carolina to go get Caleb Williams. Uh, I, uh, we'll get to Caleb Williams in uh, top of next hour, but. Caleb Williams is not the answer here, Lakina. Assume Tyson Bates is going to be your star for the next few weeks, but I'm, this is my main point. I'll wrap it up with this. Let's just say you did get Caleb Williams. If the same coaching staff is here or there's a new coaching staff, can you guarantee me that he's going to be the savior? Really? Yeah. Really? I, 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 I'm with you. I, 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 that's why I didn't listen to a whole lot of stuff yesterday and this morning because Many of you, not all of you, but many of you Bears fans are silly. Oh, draft Caleb Williams. He's going to be the savior. Oh, he's going to turn over a new league. Really? Really? I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, well, look, you know, well, as uh, somebody, a uh, friend of mine said on Twitter, he said that oh, me, me head Bears fans, me, me boss should say Bears fans, that, you know, that, you know, are going to be in suffer for the next week. You'll know, say, hey, look, let, let's go you know, get rid of, uh, get rid of, uh, uh you know, get, get rid of the fields so we get beige and, you know, no, stop it. And yes, we will talk about that, you know, about your, your Houston, Texas, Brandon. Don't worry. You know, we got them, uh, <laughs> you know, got them there yesterday. They got another win. So, uh, yeah, so you know, look, if you still got you guys got thoughts on the Bears Vikings game, what the Bears should do, what they shouldn't do. You know, where's already Vernon? Where's Vernon at? I mean, Vernon fairly. Where's he at? <laughs> uh, but of course, we're gonna take a really quick break and uh we'll talk so the rest of the NFL uh week uh six slate and no more undefeated, see though of course, although some would say there's questionable on one and uh one game that got a little too close that probably should not have been close, but you know, we'll, well, we'll, we'll talk, we'll dive into that. Controversy. Yes. Off to, of course, does and does and a whole lot more. Lakina McGee, Cindy Brown, Second City Sports, on Sports of Chicago. The rest of the uh, slate coming up right after this. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. 
These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks, they can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things. None of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. <laughs> oh, brother. <laughs> Uh, brother, we're trying to warm things up here in a very uh, fall-like day here in Chicago. Welcome back to Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago. You can follow me at Keenan McGee on the Twitter, X at Keenan Square McGee on the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter, X and the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. We have less than 85 minutes left. And so uh, this extravagance, we call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have, excuse me, if you have any questions or comments regarding the Bears or the rest of the NFL action from 
from week number six from yesterday. You can go to Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions and comments in the comments section. Lakina will get them up on the screen for you. All right, so let's talk about the rest of the NFL Week 6 slate. We'll start in London first as Baltimore beat uh, Tennessee 24-16. Lamar Jackson uh, threw for 223 yards and a touchdown, also, but also he had an interception. Ryan Tannehill on the flip side only threw for 76 yards and a TD because he got hurt. So there really hasn't been any update on that. Of course, Malik Willis came in, but wasn't, you know, really wasn't that much better. And uh, six field goals from Justin Tucker. So if you guys had him on your fantasy team, you got got a really nice showing from him uh, yesterday. And, of course, Lamar Jackson as well. Even though, again, not the prettiest offensive performances. I mean, there were a lot – again, there were a lot of drops. <laughs> so, you know, that that's, that, that's kind of, you know, odd in that one. But they did – you know, the six field goals is actually the most by any team since the 2020 Panthers who kicked like five in week three uh, against the Chargers. So, you know, again, they scored just enough points to win, but you got to think that offense, though, that that offense has a really big issue, Sid. Yeah, we talked about the about the running game for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, they need to have some healthy bodies and to get that running game going. Like you said, Lamar Jackson actually saved them yesterday. I did watch a, a lot of that game. Mark Andrews, they forgot about him in the first half, but he came alive in that second half with four catches with 69 yards. On the flip side for the Titans, Derrick Henry had 97 yards in a touchdown, rushing touchdown. But, like, you know, as I said before, and I'll say it again about the Titans, uh, Brian Tannehill, we may question him at times. We question him a lot, but that Titans team needs him offensively if they're going to go anywhere. You can put everything on Derrick Henry's shoulders. And Derrick Henry had a couple of nice long runs yesterday, but once they got – down to the red zone outside that long touchdown in the third quarter. They struggled to they, – they did just like the Bears did yesterday. They self-fulfilled goals instead of being aggressive and scoring touchdowns. Yeah, they fall and they fall at 2-4. and four And, uh, you know, I wonder I – mean, you wonder if Mike Vrabel is on the hot seat there. But, uh, you know, we'll see if they can kind of, you know, figure things out. And let's go to D – Let's go to Atlanta, I should say, for a second, Sid. 24-16, the Commanders uh, bouncing back from that loss to the Bears. Uh, they beat the Falcons. And uh, Sam Howell had 151 yards and three TDs. Um, you know, it, but he was sacked five times, so the, the Atlanta defense did get it going. But unfortunately, their offense you know, couldn't you – know, not so much. You know, Desmond Ritter uh, threw for 307 yards and two touchdowns, but also three interceptions. So, uh, so this was definitely one of those games where I kind of kept in the background. But, you know, to you know, Washington's credit, they did just enough to win this game. Yeah, the commander's defense, especially their front four, was aggressive yesterday in their secondary stepped up as well. As you mentioned, they picked off Desmond Ritter three times. Uh, Tyler Aguilar uh, was the man for the Atlanta Falcons with 51 yards rushing. You didn't hear much from B. John Robinson yesterday. Okay. Drake London had his best overall game of the season for the Falcons. Their second-year wide receiver, nine carries for – nine, sorry, nine receptions for 125 yards. But it was the commander's defense that – uh, that was the difference yesterday in shutting out Atlanta Falcons in the second half with only to six points. But like I said, Sam Howell didn't look too bad yesterday. I think this is the formula that we're going to see for the commanders from here on out. They're three and three right now. And as so many people may, may go back now to say that the commanders could be one of those surprising teams uh, moving forward to challenge for a playoff spot. Right now they played like it uh, yesterday, minus what happened against the Bears a couple weeks ago. But uh, the Commanders, I think this is their formula, formula for the rest of the year. We'll see what happens in that tough NFC East division. And we'll see if that Bears loss does come, come back to bite uh, Washington in the butt because that could probably mm-hmm. – 
you know, they'll come down to tiebreakers. So we'll see what happens yeah. here. Now, Cincinnati, we've seen them going three and three. They bounce back to now they're at three and three going into the bye. Joe Burrow threw for 185 yards and two TDs and an interception. Uh, Joe Mixon, you know, still probably not enough uh, rushing yards to your liking. He said uh, he only carried the ball uh, 12 times you know, for 38 yards. On the flip side, though, Geno Smith was struggling. Two interceptions, was sacked four times. So, you know, could have been maybe them, you know, traveling cost country was the issue, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, well, what, what do you think? I mean, this is sort of like, I kind of watched this game a little bit too. And you know, there was a little bit of a sh- struggle there, but, you know, since, since to their credit, they were able to come, you know, you know like the play is late to win it. Yeah, this is an defense was more aggressive yesterday, second Geno Smith a couple of times, uh, of course, picking them off twice, as you just mentioned, but Kevin Walker III actually ran the ball well for Seattle 19 times for 62 yards in their only touchdown. Tyler Lockett had the best game from a wide receiver standpoint, six catches for 94 yards. DK Metcalf, he was injured early in the game. He did come back, but he just wasn't himself. It was all about the Cincinnati defense. Even though their offense, they kind of broke out in that first half, scoring 14 on their 17 points, but it was a defense that really closed the job and held the Seattle Seahawks in check. Yeah, so uh, we'll see if Cincy, we're going to see the Cincy team that we've expected to see early this season. So we'll see what happens there. They got a bye week, so uh, they can you know rest up and maybe Joe Burrow can uh, rest up that calf. Um, yeah. You know, shout out to our buddies, Pro Tears, who had the, came, the call of this game. Too bad it wasn't as close as we thought. 31 uh, 20, Jacksonville uh, came back to Lon- after going 2 0 in London. Well, 1 1, yeah, 2 0 in London and beating uh, the Colts. Their AFC South rivals are now in first place, but now they go to 4 2. Trevor Lawrence was a little bit banged up, you know, threw for, threw for two TDs and an interception, 181 yards. Uh, Travis Etienne had two rushing touchdowns. On the flip side, though, Garner Minshew, uh, no Minshew Mania, apparently. He threw for 329 yards, but three interceptions. So, you know, the Jacks, Jacksonville, I think we're starting to see, you know, maybe they are this Jacksonville squad that we thought that we're going to see earlier this season, maybe. Yeah, they showed in that second quarter scoring 21, uh, 21 points there to pull away from the Colts uh, in that first half. As we talked about on Friday, like, you know, this is where the Indianapolis Colts are going to miss their star quarterback, uh, their rookie quarterback, Anthony Richardson. He does uh, a little bit more than just. Uh, run out of the pocket. He's also a efficient passer as well. Gardner Minshew gives you something from a veteran's perspective, but he doesn't have the same same skill set as Richardson in, in a running department for the Colts. I know Zach Moss is scoring again yesterday. Michael Payman Jr. had a nice game with nine catches for 109 yards. I know most of that was in garbage time, but it was Jacksonville's offense that decided to step up in that first half. In the second half, uh, the Jacksonville defense, which has been maligned all year due to underperformance, but it stepped up yesterday when it had to, even though with the Colts making that late, trying to make that late comeback, it was the Jaguars defense and Josh Allen that shut the door down. Yes, they did. And, uh, you know, they did just enough to win that game. And uh, like I said, we'll see. I mean, look, the, you know, I know the AFC South is a little more competitive than a lot of people thought. We'll talk about that in a second. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. I think this is definitely going to be uh, interesting to uh, see what happens the rest of the season uh, with uh, Jacksonville. Now let's go to South Beach, Miami, uh, forty-two to twenty-one. Uh, even though the Panthers were up fourteen nothing at one point in the first quarter, um, you know t- they scored a you know forty-two and just you know another real you know, great showing by a two. Uh, the return of sixty-two yards and three TDs. Uh, Raheem Mostert probably one of his best performances in a while, one hundred fifteen rushing yards and two TDs. Uh, Tyreek Hill, one hundred sixty-three yards and a, a, a touchdown catch. 
And they actually have now only the 1958 Colts, you know, the Dolphins joined them as the only teams <laughs> in NFL history to receive to a core of 15 rushing TDs and 15 receiving TDs through their first six games of the season. That Colts team would actually go on to win the Super Bowl that year. Well, back then it was the NFL championship, but though, of course you get mm-hmm. what I'm saying. But uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, they had a little hiccup against Buffalo, but I think Miami, they're starting to show you why they're one of the best teams in the NFL. Yeah, I give Dolphins head coach Mike McDaniel credit for using this offensive weapons efficiently. You mentioned with Tyreek Hill with six catches, and one of them for a touchdown. We'll talk about that celebration in just a moment. But uh, they maintain their poise within the rushing game. Of course, uh, A-Chain, oh, it's not called A-Chain on this show, is uh, on injury reserve for the next few weeks. Raheem Moser, who was the starter early in the season, uh, he returned to form with 115 yards and rushing and two touchdowns. But on the flip side for Carolina, you saw some things early from Bryce Young, but he really gave it back to being a rookie quarterback. The Miami Dolphins defense stepped up in that second half to only limit Carolina to seven points. But the Miami Dolphins, uh, not, not too many people are talking about them coming out the AFC, but as long as this group, i.e. Tua Tungvaluva, stays healthy, unlike last year where they barely sneaked into the playoffs, this could be a really very dangerous team come playoff time. Could be, and uh, they, they may have a home game too. We'll see about uh, mm-hmm. that. Uh, Frank Wright, of course, you know he's now you know giving away play calling duties. You guys and hear about this news to uh, OC uh, Thomas Brown. So you know they have a bye this week, so uh, they'll give him some time to kind of get things going. We'll see if that kind of helps in uh, that department. And uh, probably one of the most surprising games of the day yesterday. That is San Francisco, you know, being given their first loss of the season by Cleveland, the Browns of all teams. Uh, you know, this might, you know, PJ Walker throwing two interceptions. Uh, you know, they did just enough to kind of, you know, be able to, you know, make the stops. You know, Miles Garrett made some big plays on defense, the rest of that defense. You got to think that maybe a you know, Christian McCaffrey and also um, Debo Samuel were, you know, were hurt. They both were out. So you got to wonder that that might have played a little bit of a part. In this upset, so we were to w- watch the rest of this game here in Chicago after the Bears uh, debacle. Um, but yeah, I, I but yeah, I mean, I know Jim Schwartz. Some people will say, yeah, he's like, well, like, oh, and oh, not and oh, now against San Francisco in recent years, you know, that against those deep, well, against Kyle Shanahan. So I, I don't know if you want to keep that for whatever it's worth. But uh, what do you think about this game yesterday? Uh, Cleveland's very. Uh, productive and creative offensively yesterday, as you mentioned with P.J. Walker, former Bear backup, by the way. Even though he threw two interceptions, uh, he threw for 192 yards. Jerome Ford ran the ball hard for Cleveland 17 times for 84 yards. Amari Cooper, uh, it was finally nice to see him show up. He had four catches for over 108 yards. But you you brought up that defense earlier, Lakina. It's been one of the best units in the league all year. They just haven't found their game offensively until yesterday. I think it was the running game that kept them in check. You mentioned those injuries on the flip side for San Francisco. Brock Purdy, uh, Christian McCaffrey, and Depot Samuel all going out with injuries. Obviously, that played a huge factor as well. Kyle Shanahan, you just kind of got that feeling that they were trying to hang on to victory. They had a chance at the end, but uh, their rookie kicker missed that field goal, and that was that. Yeah, that was that for there. So uh, hopefully, hopefully the McCaffrey and uh, Samuel injuries are too serious. So uh, you know, we'll we'll see you know what happens there for the rest of the season for San Francisco. And uh, where's already Brandon at? You know, of course we're we're down to your you know with your Houston uh, Texans there. Uh, it's almost like it's sort of a mild upset. Uh, they beat the New Orleans Saints thir- twenty to thirteen. Um, CJ Stroud uh, 
Threw for two DBs. Oyo got his first interception of his career, so there, that, that streak was over with. But still a solid showing by him. A nice bounce back there. Devin Singletary uh, rushed for 58 yards. And uh, the flip side, though, Derek Carr threw for 353 yards, a TD and an interception. Alva Kamara starting to get a little bit better after that suspension. 68 rushing yards. But it was really the defense that kind of, you know, did you know, enough for, the, for Houston to hang on and win this game. As we said before, new head coach D'Amico Ryans has a great unit defensively, and they're going to show up. But offensively, that's what I'm worried about. I know that Damian Pierce didn't look that great yesterday. But C.J. Stroud, their rookie quarterback out of Ohio, say he's taking what the defense has given him. And you notice he's starting to gain a little bit more confidence, and that's what you like to see in your franchise quarterback. As we talked about before, Lakina, I thought that Houston would get better as the year will go on. I'm sure they'll be that way if they don't get uh, overconfident. But they, you, you're starting to see some signs of it right now. And it's no mistake that they are 3-3 three and three on the year. On the flip side for New Orleans, uh, Chris Olave has seven catches for 96 yards. But Derek Carr and Michael Thomas is still having trouble making that connection. And you saw that yesterday, especially with that interception to end the game. Yeah, it was uh, you know, very interesting. Like I said, well, that, that Houston team is going to give people fits. So uh, we'll see if they can kind of you – know, they mm-hmm. may have a say who wins that uh, AFC South. So – Maybe not them themselves, but whoever else, you know, maybe, you know, Indianapolis or Jacksonville. So going to the three o'clock games, uh, I watched a little bit of this game. This was the second half of the, uh, the single header game that they aired on CBS yesterday here in Chicago. Uh, Las Vegas uh, beat the Patriots 21-17. Jimmy G, you know, he had to lead the game. You know, we'll see what his status is for Sunday through 162 yards, you know, and touchdown and interception. Bright Horror came on, you know, it was pretty solid in relief. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs rushed for 77 yards on the flip side. Mac Jones uh, threw for 200 yards <laughs> and it's and an interception. Malik, you know, Cunningham came in, but he really didn't do too much. So that was actually a rushing the uh play that he uh that he used. But it was really, like I said, it was a defense that you know definitely stepped up. I mean, uh, Mac Jones was sacked four times, and you know, Max Crosby, you'll show you and why uh, he had four solo tackles and a half a sack. That's what he got credited for, and uh, Amik uh. Robertson had a sack too. So, and Ballard Nichols, former Bear, had a half a sack. So, uh, you know, this is, well, this is who, who the Bears going to be facing this Sunday. So, uh, Sid, what do you think? Uh, I think if you're Tyson Bajan of the Bears, I think Max Cross will be haunting you in your sleep from now until Sunday, next Sunday morning. But mm-hmm. I digress. But on the flip side for the New England Patriots, the only the, the uh, offensive start that you had was Kendrick Bourne, uh, their third year wide receiver. He had 10 catches for 89 yards. You mentioned Lakina, a strong defense from the Raiders, and, and they ran the ball hard with Josh Jacobs. That was the difference yesterday, even though New England tried their best to come back. But you got that feeling that it was, uh, the Raiders could not screw that up because New England was, was lost in that first half offensively. I know they got it back together in that second half, but you just got that feeling that the Raiders had control and then they, they hung on to win at home yesterday. Yeah, it was a really a great win for Las Vegas. And now look, they're they're kind of you know sort of you know, co- coming along kind of quietly. They're now three and three, so uh, we'll mm-hmm. see if they can kind of you know get some get together a couple of wins. Now, uh, probably one of the games of the one of the games of the uh, the day, and uh, didn't end up not being you know not so much. Uh, Tampa Bay you know, wore their old school creamsicle uniforms. I thought that were they were really cool. Um, I know some you know, yeah. were, were too crazy about them, but. Uh, you know, but look, you know, Detroit can maybe they're show you why they're the most, you know, their best team in the NFL. Uh, 21, 20 to six, I should say, uh, really not 
not really competitive. I, I, I feel like 353 yards and two TDs for uh, Jared Goff. Uh, the rushing, you know, game wasn't you know too much for the Lions. I know uh, David Montgomery left uh, with mm-hmm. a rib injury, but you know Baker Mayfield threw an interception. Just couldn't really get it going on offense for Tampa. So this was another one of those grinded out wins for uh, the Lions that we're used to seeing the last few years. What did we say on Friday, Lakina? I said this was going to come down to the rushing games for both teams. Like you mentioned, David Montgomery, he had a roll until he exited the game with a rib injury. On the flip side for Tampa Bay, Rashad White only had, excuse me, 26 yards on seven carries. Uh, I thought that was a tall tale sign of why the Tampa Bay offense struggled throughout that game. On the flip side for Detroit, you mentioned with Jared Goff, you know, give him a, 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 just like the formula he had with Sean McVay when he was with the Rams. Give him a solid running game. Uh, the defense will show up. Just do not turn the ball over. You you put up points, and that's what the Detroit Lions have been doing so far this year. I'm Ron St. Brown. Had 12 catches and 124 yards in a receiving touchdown. That Lions offense is rolling. Like, you know, I'm not saying that their offense is going to scare anybody because it's not the Miami Dolphins. It's not the old St. Louis Rams from 20-plus years ago. But as long as they stay efficient, they should be fine. And they earned that victory yesterday. Yes, they did. And I was like, like I said, I'm sure Dan Campbell loved those sort of grinding out wins. You know how he feels about those. So we'll see if mm-hmm. Detroit can keep it going. Uh, let's go to Los Angeles. Um, the Rams really no trouble with the Cardinals, 26 to 9. Uh, Matt Stafford threw for 226 yards and a TD. Uh, Kyron Williams, 158 rushing yards and a TD. Cooper Cup got his first TD catch, you know, coming, you know, so coming back from injury, 148 receiving yards. As well, on the flip side for Arizona, Josh Dobbs, 235 yards and an interception. So, Sid, I, I mean, look, we, we thought that, you know, we both, we all, you know, us and our girl, Christine Maddox, and KXRP, we all picked the Rams. So, but, you know, to this, to the, to their credit, Arizona did keep it close for a little bit, but the Rams were able to pull away after that. Yeah, we all picked the Rams, and that's kind of what how the game went yesterday. It was kind of what I expected. You mentioned Kyron Williams uh, running the ball 20 times for 158 yards and a touchdown. Uh, that's what this Rams offense needs, of course, with, with the injuries to quarterback Matthew Stafford. Uh, he needs to take have the pressure off of him. Once once you have the, a strong running game in front of him, it makes that your quarterback's life that much easier. You mentioned Cooper Cup with that with his first touchdown down of the year yesterday. Don't forget about Puka. Uh, oh boy, I messed up his name already, but yeah, thank you. Yeah, he's still going to be a viable weapon as the year goes along if he stays healthy. So uh, the Rams defense, you got to give them props as well. They shut out the Cardinals in that second half with a zero on the scoreboard. So the Rams are three and three. Am I going to take them seriously as a playoff team? I'm not hopping on that bandwagon just yet. I want to see them do this against San Francisco, against Seattle, and some of the better teams on their schedule in the weeks ahead. They do have them coming up in the next few weeks, so we'll see. I mean, you know, people thought that maybe the Rams were going to take this year, so uh, they're three and three now. So we'll see what happens. Uh, another one of the big upsets here: no more undefeateds in the NFL as the Jets upset the. The Eagles, 20 to 14. Jalen Hurts, clearly not his best game uh, so far. uh, 280 yards, had a touchdown, but three interceptions. Zach Wilson actually looked decent, 186 yards. Um, Brees Hall had a rushing TD. Uh, Jalen Hurts also had a rushing TD. But you can kind of tell that, well, A.J. Brown is losing up for 131 receiving yards, but you saw, you know, and also, too, remember once Lane Johnson was one of their, their top centers, 
he left, you can kind of tell that things sort of went off the rails for that Eagles offense. You know, the three interceptions by Hurts, I think he was sacked, you know, a big-time sack uh, mm-hmm. there. And, um, you know, including one uh, – it was just one of those things where you just wonder, like, okay, what the heck happened? But, uh, you know, this is one of those times where, look, I think the Eagles kind of played down their competition, and then they, they lose one of their top O-linemen, and then they end up losing the game. So, you know, Hurts was making some very careless mistakes. So, uh, Sid, what did you think? Yeah, I couldn't agree with you, Martin. That's the sense that I picked up uh, watching the majority of that game yesterday, even though I did take a short nap. But you know, the, give, yeah, give the Jets credit as well. They showed up defensively, especially in the late stages of the game, despite uh, with A.J. Brown having seven catches for 131 yards. It was that Jets defense that made the big plays at the end. Uh, Philadelphia shot themselves in the foot, as you mentioned. They couldn't get a running game going. I know Jalen Hurts had 47 yards to lead the team in Russia, but that's just not going to get it done. And if you're, if you're Philadelphia, yes, you're five and one, but uh, I think it's should, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan, you should be a little bit more concerned than at this point last year because last year they all nearly ran the damn table till the month of December when everybody started getting hurt. But this year, something seems off. As we said before. Philadelphia is still going to be a good team, but mm-hmm. the, thing, the things that went for them last year are now going against them. they got to figure out how uh, how they're going to get the offense back on track. I know they, they were missing Jalen Carter yesterday and a couple other guys yeah. defensively, but it was more about the lack of performance on offense, to be honest with you. Yeah, it really, it really was, and probably not the biggest, not the best showing for Philadelphia, so uh, we'll see if they can bounce back. But uh, definitely, I mean, the Jets are now 3-3, three and three, and, he, and you saw, of, of mm-hmm. course, you saw Aaron Rodgers going out there throwing the ball. Some people were saying that maybe you know, he might come back in a few weeks. I don't who who knows. I'm not buying that. I'm sorry. I'm not buying right. that. Well, look, well, yeah, well, look, who knows all the hoopla, especially you know, Green Greeny, of course, was insufferable on get up this morning. So uh, you take that for as you will. Now on the flip side though, for New York fans, um, had a couple of chances to beat the beat the Bills in Sunday night football, 14 to 9. Buffalo uh, Buffalo's able to hang on. Um, Josh Allen uh threw for two TDs in an interception. James Cook, you know, you'll be happy. He was the leading rusher for the Bills, uh 71 yards. Uh Tyrod Taylor on the flip side was very solid, 200, uh, 200 yards uh, throwing, and uh, Saquon Barkley in his first game back, a solid 93 uh, rushing yards. Uh, Darius Slayton led the led the Giants there. But here is some interesting uh, little tidbits there. The Giants are the fourth team to go their first six games of the season without an offensive touchdown in the opening half. The others you know, were, uh, of course, 1976 Bucks. The 98 Bucks and the 98 Chargers. And they're also, too, the first time they, in the Super Bowl era, a team finished a game with more passing yards, more rushing yards, fewer fumbles lost, fewer interceptions, fewer missed field goals and, than their opponent, and still lost. Teams were 134 and 0 at that well, before then. So, uh, Sid, the floor is yours, my friend. Uh, there was a couple of bad calls to end that game yesterday. Uh, we'll get into that in our starts and does in just a moment. But as far as the game is concerned, maybe the Bills were still a little bit jack lagged from playing against the Jaguars overseas last weekend. But I thought they kind of played down to that competition as well. Uh, you mentioned give the New York Giants uh, credit. Tyrod Taylor didn't look bad passing for 200 yards. Saquon Barkley, who made his return, almost had 100 yards of 93 of them rushing to be exact off of 24 carries. The Giants had a couple of chances to win that game, but I think it was more about Buffalo sweep, uh, sleepwalking. They, and they finally caught up to them with a wake-up call in that fourth quarter, scoring um, all 14 points to pull out a win, to pull out yeah. that win. 
Yeah, not the prettiest, but I guess you'll take it if you're Sean McDermott. But you better figure things out because the way Miami's been playing lately, the next time you guys play in Miami later this year, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to get interesting. Uh, listen, like I say, sports on Sports on Chicago, Lakina McGee, Steve Brown with you. Sid, real quick, your studs go. Okay, my three studs Tyreek Hill for the Miami Dolphins. My second stud will be Drake London for the Atlanta Falcons. Nine catches for 125 yards. Even though the, the Falcons lost, my third stud will be Kyron Williams for the Los Angeles Rams. 20 carries, 158 yards, and of course, the Rams uh, blow out the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, well, I'll do the defense for uh, the Rams. I mean, they're still you know, very viable. Aaron Donald, you know, had five tackles yesterday. Ernest Jones, you know, led them with 10. So three and three, like I said, we'll see if they're for real, if they're what they're going to do. So we'll see if they do this against <clears> – <throat> Your San Francisco will probably be in a good mood after that loss to, uh, to Cleveland. Okay. Um, uh, Justin Tucker, I mean, you know, six field goals. I mean, look, he's most of the time he's very reliable. I know he's been, you know, missed a couple of big ones this year. But, you know, look, you're, you're back on track for a Baltimore. And I guess my third set, I guess I'll say Miami. I mean, look, that Miami offense, you know, as a whole, I think it's been really solid. You know, Tua, you know, Hill, you know, among others. So, uh, Mostert, I'll, 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 well, I'll, you know what, I'll, I'll call Mostert, though. You know, he had one of his best showings uh, in the last uh, few years. All right, my three does are as follows. That Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense and the referees from the Dolphins-Panthers game. Tyreek Hill scored the touchdown. He uh, pulled a camera from, I guess, one of the photographers. He did a backflip, and the referee decided to call a uh, unsportsmanlike conduct penalty on Tyreek. Uh, that made no sense. And the pass interference call and no call at the end of that New York Giants Buffalo Bills game. Now the original pass interference that was called Lakina, I didn't think it was pass interference, but the referees thought different. So the Giants got the ball at the run one yard line. The last play of the game, where clearly I forgot who that Buffalo defender was, he clearly mugged that Giants receiver in the back of the end zone. No flag was called. Now that was pass interference, and that was not called. Mm. Well. Well, you, well, okay. Well, I'll go to my duds first. I mean, like the Bucks offense. I don't know what the heck happened yesterday. You couldn't get it going. You know, Baker Mayfield looked, you know, kind of ordinary. Um, another dud, uh, I guess, uh, New Orleans because they didn't look. You know, you kind of, you know, Houston defense got the better of them, but you thought that maybe they would play a little bit better, especially here in the earth. They were in a controlled environment, so I don't know what happened there. And uh, Buffalo, even though you guys won that game. You know, and unfortunately, you kind of slept walk through, so you re- you got away with it. You almost did, and I know that there were some questionable calls. They were going to call call those type of things back to back, especially at the end of the game. So it is what it is with that. But uh, yeah, so my three does, and I guess well, well, I guess I'll do my bonus to San Francisco. I know, look, the rest was in San Francisco game. There were a couple calls there that should not have been called. I forgot who the uh, the defender was, but um. You know, I guess that they 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 uh, they held, I guess, one of the receivers for the Browns, and that kind of stuff ended up being the game-winning field goal. Now that was more egregious than that one, you know, for the uh, in the Giants Bills game. And your Monday Night Football contest tonight has the Dallas Cowboys visiting Los Angeles to take on the LA Chargers. That's at seven fifteen p.m. on ABC, ESPN, and the Manning Cats returns on ESPN two. 
Yes, yes, yes. I know Sis is going to be looking forward to that one. Um, and that is your schedule for week six, six in the NFL. Hour number one in the books. Hour number two is straight ahead. As this is Second City Sports on Sports of Chicago. We'll go to the college gridiron. A couple of upsets in college football um, over the weekend. And uh, also, too, of course, the LCS. Um, ALCS, you know, you know, Rangers got the first game. They play again today. NLCS starts tonight. There's a number one in men's college hoops, and you know, in the first preseason pool, and uh, old school TV Monday, and a whole lot more. A lot to do in our number two, Lakina McGee, Sydney Brown, Sexy Sports on Sports of Chicago College Ground. Our talk right after this. my lane? No, not at all. Are you not paying attention? Are you texting? I was just checking in with my mom. I was telling her that I thought we'd be home by six. It's okay. There's enough time. Just pay attention. I'm not even halfway through my text. There's no way. I'm not even going to look up. My babies are in the car. You have to pay attention. It's just supposed to be a quick text. I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Tom Brady, the director of DODEA. September is National Suicide Prevention and Awareness Month. The simple act of reaching out and caring for those in our communities is something we all can do. Just being there for someone you care about can be a tremendous first step in getting them access to confidential resources and support that they need. It only takes one person and one small act and one minute to make a difference. Let's make a difference. Welcome back to hour number two of Second City Sports, the Monday edition. We're live in the color right here on Sports Soul Chicago 
along with Miss Lakimi McGee, which is she. I am Cindy Brownhead. That's me. You can follow your Shirley on the Twitter, on the Twitter X and the IG at SidKid80. Once again, that's SidKid80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. That's S-I-D-K-I-D-80. You can follow me at Kingdom again on the Twitter X at Kingdom again, IG. We have less than an hour left remaining of this extravaganza. We call it Sports Talk Radio Show. If you have any questions or comments for us, you can always hit us up at Sports on Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports on Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakino will get the uploaded screen for you. And just a daily reminder, you can catch Sports on Chicago now available on Roku TV. And, of course, some breaking news real quick. Uh, uh, you know, Matt Eberflus you know, says that you know Justin Fields is out for for the week with a dislocated thumb, but no, but no overall timetable is really going to come down to grip strength. He also, uh, e rapport also adds that the that the hope is for for rehab to improve the grip strength and for Fields to get back on the field when he can. Surgery would mean that he'd be out indefinitely. So take that for you know take that for what it's worth, I guess. But yeah, I don't think you have to be a genius to figure this out that Tyson Bajan is your quarterback going forward. And if Justin Fields is out for the remainder of the year, unfortunately it's a wasted year because this was a year for him to uh, for him to uh, improve as a quarterback and for the Bears franchise to find out if he was a, a franchise quarterback if he like you said if he has surgery that really puts a cap on it, unfortunately. But like you said, we'll see what happens. But going forward for the immediate future, Tyson Bajan, the job is yours, my man. Yeah, if group if group strength is, is an issue for him, you know, dislocated thumb, that that's pretty that's pretty bad. You need your thumb. Uh, as exactly. uh, Dan Marino said, you know, way back in the day, you need your thumb to grip the football. So when we do stuff for CBS, so uh you know, kind of take that for uh, what it's uh, worth. But uh, let's go to the college gridiron, Sid. Um, of course, uh, Fresno State with a bounce back win, uh, holding off Utah State. Uh, Tulane uh, beat Memphis 31-21. These are Friday scores, mind you. And uh, Stanford came back uh, to <sighs> beat Colorado 46-43 in overtime. And uh, I'll be honest, I didn't watch a single moment of this game because I thought, I you know, you know, they didn't, you know, they, you know, Colorado shouldn't have a problem. They were up 29. Uh, you know, this is the largest comeback, of course, for in Stanford uh, program history. Uh, the fourth largest comeback in Pac-12 history. The largest halftime deficit to overcome to win in Pac-12 history. Largest bowl lead, you know, for Colorado in their program history. Uh, geez, Sid, what happens? The defense got out of hand in that second half. Lakina at Stanford combined with the second half and the two overtimes. Uh, Stanford outscored Colorado 39-7. Colorado's defense was in shambles. They couldn't rush the passer. They couldn't stop the pass. They couldn't stop the run offensively. Uh, as I told you on Friday, they needed to run the ball with some consistency. They couldn't do that in that, in that second half. They were undisciplined once again, 17, 18 penalties in total for the whole game. That's not going to get it done. Shadur Sanders, even though he had 400 yards passing and five touchdowns, he still had a critical turnover there late in regulation. And Deion Sanders, uh, I, I know – People didn't expect much for him this year in terms of being a, in a bigger bowl game or what have you. I know they're they're still four and three, but uh, this group needs to play more disciplined football because 18 penalties in one football game, that's not going to get it done. You look great in that first half, but that second half, you just lost control. Uh, Travis Hunter actually looked great in his return. He had two touchdowns early in the game, but you know playing him both offensively and defensively for the amount of snaps they wanted him to play, which he did. 
he got tired in that second half and Stanford was able to take advantage of that. And I think that's one of the reasons why Stanford came back to uh, beat the Buffaloes. But my main concern for Colorado is protect Shador Sanders, which they struggled to do all year. You can't run the ball with, with any consistency and you play dumb football, committing dumb penalties. That's not going to get it done. Yeah, Alik, uh, hold on, I'm saying his, his name right. Uh, Alamanor, Alamanor, Manor, Alamanor, I know, I, I, might, I might be butchering his name. 294 receiving yards and three TDs. And that's you know, among, I guess, like among like, the highest, I think, for a Stanford receiver in, in years. And uh, Ashton Sander, Ashton Daniels, I should say, uh, threw for 396 yards and four TDs. And uh, that, that interception, I believe that's Rod Gilmore's kid, uh, Akai uh, Gilman. Um, he had the interception, of course. We know his dad did that a few times back in the day. For Stanford mm-hmm. and uh, look, Colorado, they've got a tough schedule these last five games. Uh, UCLA next, next week. week. Yep, we got UCLA next week. They got Oregon State the week after that. Well, actually, no, 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 they got next week off, but the week yeah, after is UCLA. UCLA. Yeah, it's UCLA. They go at UCLA. They host Oregon State. They play Arizona. We'll see where Arizona is up by then. Washington State, and they finish up the season against Utah. We'll see where Utah is by then. That's a, that's a Saturday after Thanksgiving. So yeah, they need two more wins to get to six. That's going to be a tough schedule to try to go at it. So uh, I don't know. I mean, this could be a long, you know, next few weeks for uh, Deion Sanders, Shadir Sanders, and the rest of that crew. But uh, we'll see what happens with that. Now going into Saturday's games. Hold on here. Give me a second. Um, Georgia, no no trouble with Vanderbilt. I mean, you know, you, you thought that maybe, you know, the, you know they kind of like jumped on Vanderbilt earlier. I'm talking about Georgia. So, but, uh, you know, they did just have to win that game 37-20. Mm-hmm. Although they are going to be with uh, Brock Burrs. He has going to have surgery. So. One of their top uh, tight ends, probably one of the best tight ends in the nation, probably the top tight end contender in the draft uh, next year. Not having him there, that this could go back to bite him in the butt, but we'll see. Yeah, um, you mentioned Georgia not having, having any trouble. You mentioned with their schedule this year not being as tough and with their whole team not being as good as it was the last couple of years. They're doing things with the basis to get to get by. You know, you, you mentioned uh, with their with their stud quarterback, Mr. Beck. He only had two hundred sixty-one yards passing. He had a Carson Beck. He only he had one turnover, but you really didn't need him to carry to carry the day for your offense. I mean, that was Dejan Edwards with twenty carries, one hundred forty-six yards in a touchdown. As long as you get a strong running game from Georgia, and you don't have Beck turn the football over. You should be okay so far. Georgia has done that this year. Yes, they have, and they've been pretty impressive. So uh, we'll see if Georgia could get a little bit tougher for Georgia in the next few weeks. So uh, we'll see. Uh, Michigan, who uh, says argues probably should be the number one team in the country, they had no trouble with Indiana. They did they did give up the opening draw for a touchdown, but they scored like fifty two points after that. Uh, yeah, you know, no, 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 no trouble with Indiana after that, though. I mean, I think they kind of like went to a slow start, but I think they woke up pretty quick. JJ uh, McCarthy uh, threw for three TDs, uh, two hundred twenty two yards, of course. Uh, you know, Blake Corum wasn't even the lead uh, rusher. That was Benjamin Hall, but he did get two TDs. Donovan mm-hmm. Edwards also had a rushing TD. It was a defense from Michigan once again. Um, I think they, yeah, they sacked uh, Bill, their QB, I think like three times, I want to say for uh, any of they, they sacked uh, Trey tra- uh, tra- Jackson a couple of times. You know, two interceptions. They got two interceptions from him, so... Mm-hmm. You know, India really struggled, but uh, Michigan, I, I mean, look, I think they'll show you why they should probably be the number one team in the country. They're the fourth team in the uh, AP poll era to score 30-plus points while allowing only 10 or ten or less points in seven consecutive games without a, within a season, joining the 2019 Ohio State Buckeyes, 1972 Nebraska Cornhuskers, and the 1966 Notre Dame Fighting Irish. 
Yeah, as I said the last couple of weeks, Lakina, the Michigan office needs to show me something uh, outside of Blake, um, Blake Horm, i.e. J.J. McCarthy. He had a strong game, not passing-wise, but he had three touchdown passes. As you mentioned, their defense is showing you why he's uh, the best in the country next to Texas. And they've shown you why, uh, the, with the opponents on their schedule, uh, they're better than well, better than what they are on paper. They, you saw what they did to Minnesota last week. You saw what they did to Indiana this past Saturday. So uh, Michigan is really uh, showing you their dominance, putting their foot on the next of the opponents. I want to see uh, them do this when they play better teams, i.e. Ohio State. Uh, I forgot who else they played. Uh, I know they played uh, at Michigan State on Saturday. I, I know that's a big rivalry game, and Michigan State is going through their issues off the field. But I want to see them, uh, I'm talking about Michigan, do this against better competition. Right now, you can't blame the fool they have on their schedule, but they're doing the job what they're supposed to do right now. Well, uh, James Franklin has a lot of nerve, but we'll, we'll get to him in a second. Uh, Marvin Hunter <laughs> had 100, uh, 105 receiving yards and a, touch, uh, a touchdown catch as Ohio State. No trouble with Purdue, 41-7. to Kyle McCord threw for 276 yards and three TDs. And, uh, yeah, look, yo, look, they, they were just supposed to against uh, a Purdue team that's kind of struggling at the moment. So they they, they were able to kind of do just, you know, do just enough you know, to win that game. It kind of ended that game, you know, pretty early. Uh, Florida State, uh, no trouble with Syracuse, 41-3. to And uh, speaking of Mr. James Franklin, uh, Mr. Uh, played UMass. Uh, they had no trouble with UMass, 63 to nothing. Okay. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, they got a pretty uh, tough one uh, coming up so yeah they play ohio yeah they play ohio state uh, uh saturday the big new saturday game so uh, yeah we'll put your money where your mouth is mister but uh i digress uh let's see here oh the big game in the pac 12 this was a very thrilling game uh washington uh edged out oregon 36 33 and this is sort of one of those games where look there are no more divisions in the pac 12 anymore so we may see those these two teams play again in a couple in about what six weeks from now bonus threw mm-hmm. 337 yards and two tds and losing effort but michael Pettis jr threw for uh 302 yards and four tds dylan Josh had 100 rushing yards and a touchdown Bucky Irvine, a losing effort for uh, Oregon, 127 yards in the TD. So, but it was really the defense, you know, that kind of, you know, got it going late. And, you know, they made a questionable call, I, I would say, that kind of, you know, gave Washington another shot to perhaps maybe win that game, you know, and they ended up winning it. So, uh, yeah, this is actually a crazy game. So, if you if you guys saw this game, definitely one of the games of the week in, in college. Yeah, I had this game on my television. It was very entertaining to watch. As we said on Friday, uh, this could be uh, one of the best games of the week because of what these both these teams do offensively. I think the total was 71 and a half. I think I had the over. No, I did not bet it officially. Thank goodness I didn't because uh, your kicker for Oregon decided to miss it in yes. regulation, which was in the game into overtime. But I digress. That's why I don't bet regularly. But as far as the game was mm-hmm. concerned, you know, Bo, Bo Nix did his thing, two touchdowns off of 337 yards passing. You mentioned about Michael Penix Jr. He should be up there right now, uh, in my opinion, number two for a Heisman mm-hmm. Trophy uh, trophy um, voting. I know he had that one interception early, but he came through when he had to. On the flip side for Oregon, Troy Flanker had a great game, eight catches to 154 yards in the score. Uh, it, it was going to come down to whoever had the ball last. And call me crazy, Lakina, but with that ending to that game, it reminded me of the, those old Florida State, uh, Miami games in the late 90s mm-hmm. and the early 2000s. Uh, it was very reminiscent of those times. Yeah, I think that they, in this case, that kick went like right, uh, left. So, uh, you know, yeah, the yeah, yeah. right, right, <laughs> right, left. So, uh, like, but again, look, mm-hmm. we'll see. Look, there are no more divisions in the Pac 12. So, 
you know, we may see these two teams play again for the Chattel Championship in Vegas in the, you know, about what, six or, six or seven weeks. So, mm-hmm. something to look out for there. Uh, speaking of the Pac 12, ugh, USC just got hammered by Notre Dame, 48 to 20. And let me just say this. Look, I'm not surprised Notre Dame won this game, but I'm surprised that they did. They'll you know, get their, you know, the basic kick USC's butt. Yes, you hear that, Christine? They uh, <laughs> probably threw 128 yards and two TDs. Uh, you know, Audric Estem uh, had uh, 92 rushing yards and two TDs. Caleb Williams, you know, threw for only 199 yards and three TDs. I mean, three, t- three interceptions and only one touchdown, I should say. And uh, my God, I mean, I think he was sacked like what four times, I believe. So, mm-hmm. so that Notre Dame defense, to their credit, I mean, this is this is the most you know for Notre Dame against a AP top ten opponent since uh, the polling began all the way back in the thirties. And also, it's definitely the you know the, the biggest margin for that rivalry. So, Sid, I don't know if you watched this game. I kind of turned it off after that second interception. Uh, I'm like, eh, you know. I- yeah, I I turned to it a couple of times. I was watching another game, we were, which we'll review in just a moment. You probably know which one I'm talking about, mm-hmm. but it was you we know we really aren't you really don't associate Notre Dame with being a great offensive team. He's always led by their right. defense, and that's exactly what happened. They got after Caleb Williams early. I remember asking you and Christine about uh, about their chances of getting after Mr. Williams, and I know she was pretty confident because she's an Irish fan, but. I'll be honest, again, I did not expect this type of performance, but give it up to Marcus Freeman and crew. That, that Irish defense got after Williams early and got after him often, which set up a uh, super pressure out there. Notre Dame offense just uh, let them run the ball and take some time off that clock. That's exactly what happened. Uh, they, You really didn't have to talk about the USC defense because the offense really let them down a lot because they failed to protect Mr. Williams. Yeah, that O-line, that D-line, look, I said this. I said, look, don't be surprised that USC does not make the playoff because of their defense. Their O-line actually did not look good either. So, you know, it's good mm-hmm. brief. You, you hope that they can get together, but USC has a free tough schedule to these next few weeks. So uh, we'll talk about that on Friday. Alabama uh, edged out Arkansas 24-21. Arkansas had a shot, a couple of chances to win it. They weren't able to do that. You know, Jalen Moreau, 238 yards. Two TDs. I mean, you know, you maybe maybe Alabama is starting to figure things out a little bit, but mm-hmm. I I don't know yet. <laughs> if I saw, I saw, I know I know I shouldn't be questioning uh, a team of Nick Saban, but they play Tennessee next uh, on Saturday, so that's really going to be interesting to see where they're going to where they're where they're at. But uh, yeah, but pretty, but but again, no, they didn't get caught looking ahead. So you know, nice showing by uh, Alabama this week. We didn't all pay, but this is not one of Alabama's strongest teams. But uh, as you mentioned, as the year has gone on, especially surviving the scare against uh, Ole Miss, and so definitely surviving the scare on the road early in the year against South Florida. And it looks like Nick Saban's figured things out with their quarterback, Jalen Moreau. He's not a star quarterback, but just have him drive the Ferrari. Don't strip the gears. Don't do anything else. Just don't turn the ball over. Make the plays when you had to make them. You'll be just fine. But it's really about Alabama's running game with Jason McClellan. He had 16 carries for 83 yards. On the flip side, four of the Crimson Tide, that team is going to be led by their defense, and, and they've been stepping up all year long. Yes, they have. So, uh, you know, I think, like I said, we'll, we'll see about with the game against Tennessee. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to that game. Honestly, we'll, we'll talk more about that on Friday. And uh, I know this is a game you wanted to get to, Sid. Uh, North Carolina 
held off Miami 41-31. And look, I kind of kept going back and forth. You, you wonder, you know, how Miami's mindset was going to be. You know, they did, you know, lead them. They, they did lead uh, North Carolina with 17-14 at halftime. Mm-hmm. But, you know, to, you know, to North Carolina's credit, you know, they scored 21 points in the second half. And in the second, the third quarter, I should say, and uh, mm-hmm. despite Miami's you know, best efforts, it was just, it was just too little too late. Yeah, I know Tyler Van Dyke had a, a better showing for the Miami Hurricanes. He had 391 yards, passing four touchdowns and two picks. But it was the Miami defense that got shredded for 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 North Carolina. Omarion Hampton had 24 carries for 197 yards and a score. And Devontae Walker, I don't know if you saw his family. They had a, yes. a couple of shots of them in the stands. In the stands, he had six carries, six catches, I should say, 132 yards and three big touchdowns. We talk about the the mindset of the Miami Hurricanes, as you mentioned. I thought uh, they got it out of the system in the first half, but their defense, uh, I don't know what happened, but it just got shredded in that second half as North Carolina scored 28 points, as you mentioned, 21 of them in the third quarter. So Miami's 0-2 in the ACC. North Carolina, they're 6-0 overall, 3-0 in the ACC. I'm not saying North Carolina should be considered one of those teams for those playing spots, but even though Drake May didn't have the world's greatest performance, performance north carolina could cause some problems for some folks yeah uh you know tez walker of course about tez walker uh second player in north carolina history to record three receiving tds in a game against a top 25 team since hakeem nicks did it all the way back in 08 uh versus uh boston college i believe matt ryan was on that team if i'm not mistaken but uh I mean, look, I mean, North Carolina is one of those teams where you're just like, they're kind of quietly, you know, 6-0, and like, oh, hey, you know, like, but look, I'm sure Mac yeah. Brown probably prefers it that way. So, you know, it's actually you know, pretty interesting. But uh, look, I mean, North Carolina just keep chugging along. So it'll get very interesting for them as it goes on now. Uh, Syracuse, and I, I, I mean, uh, Louisville um, had a, uh, well, a letdown might be a bit of a stretch. They lose to Pittsburgh 31-21. Uh, Christian Bellier had uh, threw for two TDs for Pittsburgh. Uh, you know, Jay Plum, I mean Jack Plummer, I should say, uh, had two interceptions. I mean, I saw a little. I saw the highlights of this game. It just like, you know, it was just unfortunate. Well, this is where your typical like you beat a you know a big team like Notre Dame, and then you end up having a letdown against someone that he should have beaten pretty handily. Yeah, that's what happens sometimes when you're trying to become one of those uh, teams that you know, wants to build a winning tradition like Louisville. Actually, Louisville hasn't been that bad, but no. like you said, you beat uh, Notre Dame in primetime uh, in front of a national audience last week at home, and then you, you look at, at the next opponent on your schedule. Oh, we can go in there and beat them. Uh, we can take a night off. Well, you get caught with your pants down. This is what happens. Yeah, exactly. So I gotta I gotta figure thing things out there. Oregon State uh beat UCLA uh 3624. Like I said, you know, their their the defense really was the story here. DJ Googly uh threw for 266 yards and two TDs. But like I say it was their defense. They uh intercepted uh, Dante Morris just in UCLA three times. So mm-hmm. like I said, it's that their defense was really kind of like what's kept them, you know, that's why they're you know one of the top you know teams in the Pac 12. Uh Utah, no trouble with Cal. Um, Duke, no trouble with uh, NC State. Alabama's next opponent, Tennessee, held on uh, Texas A&M. Arizona, sort of a mild upset uh, against uh, Wazoo. And uh, Wazoo, been, they've been kind of like, you know, go, you know, had the air let out of them uh, after that loss to uh, Oregon State. And uh, Cam Ward, 192 yards and an interception. But, you know, Arizona, look, they gave you, you USC all they can handle last a couple weeks back. So I'm not mm-hmm. that surprised that they were able to, Yo, beat them, they beat Wazoo pretty handily. 
Yeah, Arizona's four and three overall this year. They're two and two in the Pac-12. I'm not saying they're going to make any any noise, but they could cause some problems for a couple of teams going down the stretch. It Wilson is supposed to be a rebuilding year, just like their neighbor team, Arizona State. Uh, well, look, there wasn't. Well, they thought that maybe they may have a shot at perhaps maybe going to a bowl game. But, you know, this is the second year of the new coaching staff, so they're starting to kind of get things going here. So, uh, you know, Arizona, they may be going to a bowl game this year, so you'll take that if you're Arizona. So, but it's actually a really good win for them after, you know, losing a, a tough one to USC a couple weeks ago. LSU, no trouble with Auburn. Uh, Oklahoma State, this is definitely uh, Mike Gundy's uh, best win of the season. They beat uh, Kansas 39-32. I'm a man. Everyone, I'm 50. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah, we'll say he's 50, 54 now, right? He just turned 54 I think, <laughs> a couple weeks ago. A couple of us, I should say. But uh, a good win for uh, for them. Uh, the Fighting Mike Burmans, as we call him here in front of the show. Uh, Mizzou uh, beat you, uh, Kentucky uh, 38-21. Rutgers came back. I think they were down, I think, like, 24 to, like, 3 or something like that. They came back. Yeah, 8 um, points down. And beat Mich- yeah, they, they beat Michigan State uh, 27-24. Um, Iowa State, no trouble with Cincy. Uh, Illinois, uh, look, a nice win for Illinois. They beat uh, Maryland on the road. Yep, with a last-second walk-off field goal. And, Lakina, uh, well, I want to get this special uh, for you. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, uh, well, well, sorry about that. Said, uh, said, uh, this is a spiritual for a second. Well, we'll get to that. But, uh, yeah, nice win for uh, Illinois. I mean, I think this was the first uh, big win this season. So, uh, you know, Illinois, they're, they're kind of, they you know, had a last second field goal to win that game in, you know, College Park. That, that's not an easy place to play. So, uh, look, a nice, you know, show for Illinois. I mean, uh, <laughs> you know, Caleb Griffin, who did the, who nailed that 43-yard field goal, did the slip and slide, even though it wasn't raining in Maryland. <laughs> you know, it was actually pretty nice. You know, he did a slip and slide after the game. Uh, so, but, yeah, nice win for Brett Bielema and for that crew. So, as we are waiting for Sid to come back in just a second, I think his wife, I kind of went out on him. But uh, let's see here. A couple other games of note. Um you know, uh, TCU beats BYU uh, 44 to 11. Uh, Iowa in a kind of a, you know, I don't want to say a stinker, but, uh, you know, they beat uh, Wisconsin 15 to 6. Northern Illinois, uh, no trouble with Ohio. Um, uh, Air Force, you know, stay undefeated. They beat uh, Wyoming. Uh, Colorado State, those are exciting here. Colorado State came back to beat Boise State. And, uh, of course, uh, San Diego State beat Hawaii 41-34. So, and that is your schedule for uh, this week in college football. Hopefully, we'll get Sid back coming up right after the break as uh, we'll, you know, we'll continue on in Second City Sports. On Sports on Chicago, we'll talk some LCS. And, uh, of course, you know, Rangers take game one. And LCS starts tonight. Hopefully, Sid will be back with us for uh, Old School TV Monday. And, of course, we'll talk some Bulls and uh, number one in college uh, hoops. So, a lot to do still. Uh, well, you know what? Let, let's try to see if we get Sid off for uh, one more second here before we go to break. Give him a chance to reconnect here. But, uh, yeah, so a uh, lot to do still here. You know, let, let's do this. Pay off this. Tease. You get a teaser, of course. Uh, let's see if we can kind of come on here. The, the joys of technology, folks. Uh, let's see if you can you know, get him on here. There we go. All right, so now what, now what happened? <laughs> oh. Did disappear trick? Oh, shoot. Oh. Uh, there we go. All right. <laughs> All right, Sid. Now, what were you saying before you did your disappear trick? Sid? 
Wait, did you go off again? All right. There you go. Oh, shoot. Wait, hold on. This thing doesn't... Those just love light. You just love uh, technology, kids. Yeah. All right. <laughs> there we go. There we go. All right. Uh, so what were you saying? Oh, you want to pay off that little teaser here before we go to break? Uh, uh, apologies for the audio, but uh, I guess that's what I get for teasing you about your 1970s, 80s college football. Oh. But uh, looking at that Wisconsin-Iowa oh, okay. well, uh, game. Another, uh, you know, the, the, there you go. Now, yeah. What you there you go. <laughs> oh, thank you. Uh, I guess that's what I get for a tease you for your 1970s, 80s style football with that Wisconsin Iowa score, 15 to six. We talked about both these teams uh, uh, turning a, a brand new leaf uh, offensively this year. Uh -huh. uh, I didn't see much of that in that game on Saturday. Oh, uh, which team would you be disappointed in the most, Wisconsin or uh, or Iowa? I would say Wisconsin. Yeah, I think Wisconsin definitely was a uh, one of those. Uh, those, you know, definitely, you know, probably were more disappointed in them because you thought that maybe they were going to keep it close, perhaps maybe even win this game uh, for, you know, for Wisconsin, you know, for Wisconsin. So, mm -hmm. uh, Iowa, I mean, look, you know, we know uh, Kay McNamara is out for the year. So this was their shot to kind of pounce and they weren't able to do that. I think they lost their QB for the year, if I'm not mistaken, or for at least for the next few weeks. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So, you know, but again, Iowa, you'll take the win and uh, just, you know, see if you can kind of, you know, get it going and perhaps, you know, put together a nice little streak going with your defense. Yeah, we'll see what happens. Like we talked about on Friday, both these teams were known for a big uh, offensive line play and running the football with consistency. As we also talked about, too, Wisconsin turning over a new leaf and being more aggressive offensively. That I know defense wins championships and they shut down great offenses, but you just did not get the sense that Wisconsin couldn't go any, go, get anything going offensively. It was just a terrible performance. Yeah, just just a brutal. You know, you can tell they're still adjusting to that new uh, air raid style mm -hmm. uh, offense by Lou Fickle. But uh, you thought that maybe it'd be a little bit better. You know, showing. Yeah, I know Adam Hoke. You know, who's a, who's a CHGO Bears. Who's a you know Wisconsin grad. He said he saw so much bad football this weekend. You know, so many interceptions. So uh, yeah, you know, for what it's worth. But uh, you know, you know it is what it is. But uh, yeah, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll, I don't. I think they got Michigan coming up. I'm talking about Iowa. Well, in a couple of weeks. So. We'll see how they – hopefully they'll be a little bit better. But uh, I don't know. But, uh, again, you'll, you'll take the win of your eye. I want to kind of keep it moving. But, uh, yeah, it's going to get you know, a little bit dicey. They they, got, they, you know, they actually have Minnesota uh, on Saturday. So, uh, you know, Minnesota's coming off a bye. So, uh, they'll be interesting, too. Mm -hmm. They don't play Michigan. That's going to be tough. Yeah. That's going to be real tough. You know, I know that Peter is going to have his guys ready. So, uh, we'll see what happens in that game. But we'll talk more about that on Friday. All right. We got to stretch Lakina and your truly hope we can get his strong connection back in check. Uh, we'll be back with our last break of the show on this Monday edition of Second City Sports or Sports All Chicago. We got to review the league championship series, at least from the American League side of things. The National League starts today. Uh, the Bulls lose their preseason tilt in Denver last night, but do the Bulls have a starting point guard already, a uh, uh, position already filled? We'll do that in our old school TV Monday tribute to uh, Miss Suzanne Summers. That and a whole lot more as you're listening to Second City Sports, the Monday edition. I'm Sid. That's Akina. You're listening to Sports Old Chicago. This year, my mom got me the perfect bag for back to school. These colorful binders help me stay organized. These headphones are just what I need for studying. These new sneakers are just what I need for the new year. This jacket is a real must-have. 
My parents got me the skateboard I wanted. It's pretty cool. These scissors really come in handy in art class. These colored pencils, too. These new socks? They can be a real lifesaver. I finally got my own phone to stay in touch with my mom. Trisha's having a sleepover tonight. Can I go? I wonder about Lucy's friends. What should I say? I know you're only 10, but one of these days a friend will offer you a drink. And alcohol at your age can lead to so many things, none of them good. So can I go to the sleepover? Lucy, I want you to promise me something. I finished my homework. <laughs> Bigger promise. If there's any drinking, I want you to say, no thanks, not my thing. Mom. I promise you, your real friends won't care. Deal? Sure. Really? I promise, Mom. They really do hear you. Did you pack your toothbrush? For tips on how to start the talk, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. A public service message from the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration. Hey, this is Dr. J, and I listen to Sean and Maya in the morning. Welcome back to Second City Sports, <coughs> the Monday edition. We're live in Living Color right here on Sports Zone Chicago. This is our last segment for the day. So make we're going to make it look good. You make it look good out there in YouTube and Facebook and listening land. If you have any questions or comments for us during our last segment of the show, you can always go to Sports Zone Chicago's Facebook page or at Sports Zone Chicago on YouTube. Type in those questions or comments in the comments section. Lakina will get the up on the screen for you. All right, so let's go a little diamond, you know, do a little diamond talk here with some baseball. Uh, Texas beat Houston 2 0 in game one of the best of seven uh, ALCS. And, you know, this is sort of like interesting. I watched a little bit of this game. You know, Jordan Montgomery had a really solid showing, showing for uh, Texas. We haven't really mm -hmm. talked about him very much this year because he is actually one of 
one of the top you know pitchers in the league. You know, five only give up five hits, zero earned runs, uh, one walk, and six strikeouts. Justin Verlander, on the other hand, gave up six hits, two earned runs, uh, five strikeouts, and two walks. Um, so and Lecourt got the save for errors uh, for a text, I should say. So, uh, you know, what did you think here? I mean, I kind of feel like, look, you know, we've talked about uh, uh, Texas, you know, all week. And I know, Brandon, I wonder if he's still listening because he knew we were going to be talking about this. <laughs> but, uh, you know, no, not really a lot of showing here for Altuve, Berg, you know, Bregman, Alvarez. You know, where was he yesterday? Kyle Tucker, too. You know, Abreu. Um, you know, Corey Sear well, got, got on, you know, got ahead, got on base again. And uh, so, yeah, do you think that Texas is going to keep it up? Can they keep it up? Of course they can. Will they? I don't think so. Only because Houston, those veterans have been there before. They've been through the wars uh, in years past. And I, I expect them to respond later today when game two takes place. That's at 3.37 uh, Chicago time from Houston on FS1, I believe. But uh, last night, like you said, Jordan Montgomery kept those hitters, uh, with those pitches, uh, uh, those hitters honest with those breaking balls. You mentioned Jose Altuve. He didn't get on base. Alex Bregman, who was the second. Uh, hitter in the line. He only had one hit. Jose Abreu got one hit last night, but after that, uh, the Houston didn't do too much. He only had five hits the rest of the way in total for the game, but as we say all year, Lakina, a great starting pitch and beats good hitting, and scoring comes at a premium in the playoffs, and when you have runners on base, you better take advantage of them because you're not going to get too many of those chances. No, you're not, especially against a team like Houston. So we'll see what happens in game two. I, I, I mean, you know, game two is tonight. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see if they can. Well, today, I should say, because it comes on at 337. Uh, that'll be on Fox. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it'll be uh, Nathan Yavaldi, who we talked about all season long, and uh, mm-hmm. Framer Valdez uh, for Houston. So this could be one of those times where if you're Houston, you want to try and jump on Texas early. Look, you know this team very well. You're in the same division. So there's really no excuse why you can't, you know, jump on this team early. And look, Val- you know, Yavaldi's probably one of the best pitchers that you probably guys have not, probably never, never seen or heard, you know, since he plays in Texas. But you know, this could be one of those games where I'm not saying it's a must win for Houston, but if you're the Astros, you don't want to go to Arlington, you know, about like two hours uh, southwest, uh, you know, in Arlington and uh, be down 2 0. You just, you, you don't want that. And plus, <clears throat> excuse me, just like the uh, World Series is a 2 3 2 format. So you yeah. definitely don't want to go down 0 2 going to, uh, to Globe Light Park and for the next three games because you know they. Crowd's going to be rocking. And with the Texas Rangers, they have now won <clears throat> now six in a row. The Keenan to start the playoffs. They beat Tampa Bay in two, swept Baltimore and beat Houston. Yeah, so they're on a six-game winning, so they haven't lost yet in the playoffs. Like I said, Houston's been there before. Like you said, they have to start uh, uh, with at the top of that lineup with Alex Bregman and Jose Altuve. Both those guys can get on base consistently. I, I think the the Astros offensively will be okay. We talk about Yodan Navarrete. We talk about Kyle Tucker. We talk about Jose Abreu. I know many people clearly are showing room for him personally here in Chicago to do well. But along with those, those first two plays I mentioned, Bregman and Altuve get on base to create uh, havoc on the base pass, they'll be fine. I'm looking for Valdez to have a strong performance on the mound. He's one of the best underrated left-handers in the league. I know he threw a no-hitter earlier this year. I know last year he had 23 or 24 straight starts of quality starts with mm-hmm. six plus innings pitched. And so he's a, he's a big time hauler. He can log up innings, but he he's, he definitely has to step up his game, but most importantly, that offense has to step up for Houston. Like uh, Verlander, I know we didn't talk about, he pitched his tail off last night. He just didn't get any help yeah. on the offense. Hopefully if you're a Houston Astros fans, 
Valdez could, could do his thing, but offensively, it's all about uh, it's all about the offense for Houston today. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're Houston, you want to try to jump on, you know, jump you know, on a league, you know, pretty quick and not look back. Now going to the NLCS. Uh, yeah, if you had you know Arizona playing Philadelphia for the NL for NLCS, those these games will be on TBS. Uh, by the by, um, game one you got Zach Gallant, who we we've read about him, but also to Zach Wheeler. Uh, for uh, for Philly, so if you're Philadelphia, you want to try and you know, like Arizona's kind of like you know, I don't want to say they're sort of a deer in the headlights sort of expressions, and you know, they're I don't think no one no one thought they would get this far, but I think if you're uh, Philadelphia, you want to try to take advantage of that 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 you know veteran uh, experience and that leadership. So if you're you know uh, Kyle Schwarber, Bryce Harper, you want to try and set the tone early. And Zach Wheeler too. Mm-hmm. Try not to let Arizona jump on, and that was a big problem for the Dodgers against Arizona. They were able to come, mm-hmm. you know, jump on uh, the pitching right away. So if you're Zach Wheeler, you want to try and kind of keep that and tame that up, and hopefully the offense can kind of pick up the pick it up for you as well. Yeah, as we mentioned, Arizona's playing with house money. Uh, they're playing with a whole lot of confidence, and they haven't lost in the playoffs either, just like the Texas Rangers. So they had to play in the wild card round as well. So as you mentioned, Zach, really, he's a better pitcher than what the Diamondbacks faced in the last series with the L.A. Dodgers. Zach, really, is very aggressive. He doesn't mess around with that strike zone. So Arizona's going to have to be patient and try to uh, wait for that pitch to hit because, as I mentioned, really doesn't mess around uh, with the strike zone. Now, on the flip side, offensively for Philadelphia, as you mentioned with Kyle Schwarber, Trey Turner, and JT Realmuto, their catcher, and, and, Bryce, and Bryce Harper, that's a crackerjack box at Citizens Bank Ballpark. So Arizona uh, is definitely for the key tonight. Is that where Zach Gallon is starting on the mound? Keep that ball down because if you let that ball, I know it's supposed to be in the upper 50s tonight. I don't yeah, know cooler, what the wind, yeah. the wind mile now winds are going to be, but if Zach Gallon and the Arizona pitchers that can keep the ball down, they'll have a great chance of winning this ball game. But if you leave it out in the middle of the plate, those bashers I just mentioned, they can they can hit it with the best of them, and uh, those balls will be flying out of Citizens Bay Ballpark tonight. Yes, it, it might. It might come down to kind of like who has it or offense. So, uh, like I said, this would be this might be a better series than people think. But if you're the, if you're Philadelphia, I, I would say set the try to set the tone like right away. That way you can kind of like maybe you can kind of you know, you know do what you know the Dodgers couldn't do and just you know kind of like put the kibosh on whatever hopes that that they have. If you let the the Diamondbacks hang around, they might feel confident that they can go to the World Series. So uh, if you're uh, Philly, you want to try and you know set that tone early. Yeah, you mentioned with the Diamondbacks scoring, but before game day they scored nine runs in the first two games of that series. Uh, nine runs in the first inning in the first two games of that Dodgers series in Dodgers Stadium, and which really set the tone for those two games, obviously, for that series. You don't want that uh, want that again if you're a Philadelphia Phillies. So, as I mentioned, the Phillies have a better starting rotation from top to bottom. But like I said before, and I'll say it again, Arizona's playing with the house money. They have confidence right now, and they're not afraid of Philadelphia. Like you said, I think this is going to be a series of uh, epic proportions. I think it's, it's go- ultimately it's going to come down to offense, but I think it's going to come down to the bullpens as well. You saw what Philadelphia did to their Atlanta Braves staff in, in that mm-hmm. NLDS series. You saw what Arizona did against the Dodgers with that, uh, with that lineup. So it's going to come down to uh, the, uh, the uh, timely hitting of the offense. And it's going to come down to the bullpens for both these teams. Should be a great series, both of them. Of course, we talked about it. You know, t- today you got you know game two of Texas Houston three thirty seven on Fox and also on FS One. 
Uh, 707 on TBS, you got Arizona and Philadelphia. Tomorrow night, you know, it's the NLCS game two, Arizona and Philadelphia. Merrill Carey versus Aaron Nola. And on Wednesday, uh, no pitching matches, but it will be Houston and Texas, Houston and Texas on 703 on FS1. Uh, we'll see if it's tied or maybe could be Texas being coming for a, a 3-0 lead. So we'll see what happens there. And that's your schedule for the LCS. All right, you're listening to Sega City Sports Orange Sports on Chicago City Lakina hanging out here with you on this Monday on this Monday afternoon, uh, wrapping up today's show. Lakina, uh, some basketball took place over the weekend, and the, the Chicago Bulls finished up their home and home series with the Denver Nuggets last night. They played in the Mile High City, and they lost to the Denver Nuggets by the score of one sixteen to one hundred two. For, for the Chicago Bulls, uh, Kobe White did get the start again. Jokic uh, did his thing against Andre Drummond in, in that Bulls front line, but I know people want to uh, dismiss the final score. You can't to an extent because it, this is this preseason, but you got to be encouraged. Like we said in our last episode, Lakina, the way this Bulls offense has been playing, uh, they're more of a fast-paced team, especially for shooting the three. And Patrick Williams has stepped up last night with 20 points, including 8 of 14 shooting, 1 and 2 from three-point land. Yeah, they yeah they uh, shot forty one percent from three, which I don't think they've ever I don't think they've done it like maybe four or five times last year. Uh, they because shot we didn't have any shooters. <laughs> yeah, 40, uh, 40 plus percent from three, so uh, that's a you know that's a huge thing um, right there. And look, having Kobe White, and I mean I think he wants this. He wants to be proved that he is worthy of that money that he got over the summer. Mm-hmm. Same thing with Io. I know he was zero for one. He only only attempted one three, but. You know, he was still very solid um, yesterday. I know uh, Armando Adamo Sadagu had a nice little showing there trying to get those last uh, few spots on the team. And, uh, uh, you know, Jalen Carter, um, a three for five from the field, too, as well. So it was really their bench guys. Remember, Boosh didn't play, DeMar didn't play, so Zach didn't play either. No other did Caruso. So it was really mostly, you know, their they, they basically started their, their like their second tier guys. So it's really, you know, the fact that they were able to, they didn't get a bus kick by, by Denver, I guess you could say that's a, that's a encouraging uh, sign as mm-hmm. well. So uh, yeah, I mean, look, you know, Dale and Terry, you know, didn't shoot well from three, but you know, you know, Tory Craig, I mean, he's another one of those guys. He wants to show people that look, the, 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 the bulls can be, you know, look, he came from South Carolina upstate and has had a great career in the, and uh, in, in the league so far, this is going to be his 10th year in the league. So you kind of, you know, he, he doesn't mind being the underdog. So I, I think that look, if, if you're the bulls, I mean, look, they may look, will they be up there with Philadelphia and Milwaukee and Boston? No, but I think it would kind of be right there in that four, five, six seed range. If you know, if look, as long as everyone stays healthy and there's consistency in the three, get vooched in the in the in the point and in the inside, play him a little bit more too, and play drum when you need to, they can kind of sort of you know be right up there and surprise some people. Yeah, this was a no-brainer decision by Billy Donovan, the Bulls head coach, to set the starters last night because this was their second game, I believe, in three days or four days. It yep. was Thursday, so yeah, you say played Thursday. So, yeah, it was a it was a no-brainer. You want to get some uh, uh, get a look at some of the young guys who's going to make the team because usually in the NBA is usually one or two spots open with the eleventh and twelfth man spot open. So you mentioned like Dalen Terry and Io DeSumo who's trying to uh, improve his, uh, his his stock this year even though the Bulls brought him back over the summer via free agency. So uh, it, it was uh, they looked good in spots last night. But like you said, Lakina, if, if most of the year stars stay healthy, 
I think they can be a little bit better than what people think. But like like you said before, they don't belong in the class of Milwaukee and Ball in Boston and to a lesser extent Philly. They don't they don't belong up there just yet. But I will agree with you with Andre Drummond. He did have another strong outing last night, even though um, Nikolai Jokic did surf him up early. Uh, Andre Drummond, who, who right. started the game last night, even though he played played only twenty two minutes, another close to another double double, nine points and ten rebounds. Hopefully, head coach Billy Donovan learned his lesson from last year, especially in that playing game against Miami, where he didn't use him. Use Andre Drummond a little bit more because he brings that energy off that bench uh, in terms of defense. Or as we said before last year, we'll say it again this year until something changes. That this team struggles with rebounds, especially offensively mm-hmm. you know, with offensive rebounds, and Andre Drummond helps you in that department. Yes, you have Vucevic, but after that, and you got P. Will, but after that. You know, you struggle to rebound with some consistency, especially in the tough Eastern Conference. That's going to be a problem if you don't uh, solve that issue. Yeah, and I think that's going to really going to be like the the thing for the Bulls because you know, like you said, Sid. I mean, look, we that that that, that rebounding was a big you know issue, especially in that play in against Miami. That it was really the you know the rebounding that kind of killed the Bulls and whatever that meant. So that was that was one of the reasons why. Um, Miami was able to come back and win it. So uh, that's good, really going to be the big thing for the Bulls this year is to try to get it early and try to like be like right there aggressive in that in the inside, especially offensive rebound. That's another that was another big thing that was a Bulls Achilles heel last year. Yep. Yeah, there we go. Yep. And also, too, as we mentioned with the free agent signing state that this Bulls team did this this summer. Tory Craig, he's he's been doing okay. I kind of like that addition. You know, he brings it uh, brings the energy defensively coming off the bench. Who could add some additional scoring? And Javon Carter, uh, hopefully he can shoot the ball from three from with some consistency. Uh, I'm not saying he should be the starting point guard, but I think he's going to get a little bit more minutes if Ayu and Kobe Wright uh, struggles early. And uh, Javon Carter can see a little bit more tick, especially if he sh- shoot the ball with some consistency from the outside. And that's gonna really gonna be the thing, you know, the consistency from the three, you know, the three especially. So uh, that's gonna get interesting to see what happens with that. So uh, any other thing from the NBA you want to, uh, you know, talk about before we move on? Oh, have you ca- caught the Victor Wimbiamba fever from yes. San Antonio? Yes. I know him yes. and Chet Holmgren for uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder played against each other the other mm-hmm. night. And uh, Victor looks good, and uh, even though uh, with that. Rule with the uh, resting rule. Uh, I forgot what it's called. But uh, do you still believe that Greg Popovich is going to play uh, Victor oh, less yes. than uh, sixty-five yes. games? You still believe yes. that? Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> yes. And, you, you know, Pop's going to say, you know what? Uh, you know, whatever. Like he, you know, like something came up in his family or whatever, or maybe you know, hey, look, I, you know. He may, I don't want to say I'll fake an illness, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what you know what he does. What, what not just him, but also what other coaches do with that role because this is going to get a little bit dicey. Uh, the no like resting role. I know it was a there's a name for it. I forgot what it is, but uh, you know, load that, management, the you know, load management, the load management rule. Thank you. And uh, yeah, this is going to get very interesting, especially you know if you're teams like Golden State or if Giannis, you know, when Giannis wants to, I know Adrian Griffin's going to have a lot to do with that whole thing, but uh, yeah, this is going to get very interesting here. <laughs> yeah, and also too, I know Milwaukee in the Lakers played last night, of course, no LeBron James. Uh, where do you expect, uh, I know I don't want to give our NBA preview show next week, but uh, <laughs> I, I kind of think that the Lakers <clears throat> are in the same position as the Bulls, even though they do have a slightly better roster than Chicago, but mm-hmm. if 
do you think that LeBron James can play at least more than 65 games this year, this year him and Anthony Davis both? Yeah, I think so. I, I think I know he's getting up there. He'll be he'll be what I think like 39. He'll be 39 by the time uh you know, by the time that you know, halfway through the season. So if you're LeBron, you want to try and you know, you know, make sure you want to kind of because your body's not like it used to be when you were in high school. So we came back out out of high school. I know there's been a lot of wear and tear there. So I could see him, you know, using the new load management rules, you know, if you will to kind of you know be a little bit more, you know. I don't how do you say like a little bit more like cautious of his health. So mm -hmm. he may let him slide on that. So I don't think it'll be too big of an, an issue, but uh, yeah, I think, you know, same thing with AD. I think, look, he's going to have a lot of wear and tear in that body. He's, yes, he is younger, but look, I wouldn't be seeing a lot. Of, yeah, I think Steph's probably going to do it. Oh, Clay's going to do it. Some of the other guys, maybe KD will probably do it a couple of times. So, uh, you know, that little management rule is going to get very interesting. Like that. Well, we'll talk more about that next week in our NBA preview special. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, <laughs> the situation can and, uh, can and will get interesting, especially with those players that you just mentioned, especially with the Los Angeles Clippers with Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. Remember, both of them can opt out of contracts at the end of the season. Of course, of course yep. the Clippers are moving into their new arena next season. So yep. uh, a lot of so on the line there. Now, before we get to our special Old School TV Monday tribute to Miss Suzanne Summers, uh, Lakina, did you catch any highlights or the actual game last night in women's college basketball between Iowa and DePaul, uh, 55,646 uh, uh, diehard college basketball fans attended Kinnick Stadium in Iowa last night. And uh, it, uh, just looking at a couple pictures here on my monitor, uh, this is like the second time this happened so far. I know yep. uh, the Nebraska volleyball team had their volleyball, uh, volleyball match yep. uh, last month outside, in which they, that football stadium in Lincoln, Nebraska, filled up to the T. Are we going to see more of this? Uh, obviously not through the winter because it's cold as hell outside, but do you think we're going to see more events like this uh, in the years to come, as, especially as women's sports and women's college basketball in particular uh, continues to grow? Yeah, I, I think so. We may see a little bit occasionally. We look, we've seen the men's team you know, uh, play on uh, aircraft, uh, you know, yeah. carriers. Uh, so, and also too, I think they, they, they uh, I think I forgot. I think it was Duke and North Duke and uh, Michigan State that played like in a, um, like in a fleet or something. You know, a yeah. couple, last season or a couple of seasons ago. So yeah, we're gonna be seeing you know, a lot more of this, especially with the growth of college, uh, uh, college hoops on the women's side. Look, Caitlin Clark's one of the top, you know, top players in, in the country. I'm sure she's going to want to redeem herself after that loss to LSU in a championship game. You know, DePaul, we'll see where they're at this year. Uh, but, I mean, look, we'll see more and more of it. And, look, I don't think you're going to see a lot of it in the, in the cold. But, you know, look, nice showing for them. You know, plus, you know, Kansas City is what, about 60,000, 70,000 people. So that's actually pretty impressive that they were able to get 55,000. Uh, in a you know mid-October uh, preseason uh, women's college hoops game. But, uh, well, I think she, you know, look, Kayla Clark had a lot to – a lot to do with that, so uh, mm -hmm. we'll probably see a little bit more of this. So uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's always good for women's college who's to kind of get that, get that showing there. So, uh, but you look, you know, let's go on to the men's side for a second. Uh, who do you think is the uh, preseason number one uh, for uh, men's college hoops? Said I'll give you a couple of guesses. I saw, real quick. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw, saw it this morning. I want to say it's Kansas. Yep, you got it. The Kansas Jayhawks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> with the addition of Hunter Dickinson, I think that helps him a lot because rebounding was a big issue for Kansas last year. Mm -hmm. um, Duke, uh, number two. Purdue, number three. Uh, Michigan State, four. Marquette, five. UConn, six. Houston, seven. Creighton, eight. Tennessee, nine. And uh, Florida Atlantic, number 10. 
Your rest of the top 25 real quick, Gonzaga, Arizona, Miami, Arkansas, Texas a Kentucky, San Diego State, Texas, North Carolina, Baylor, USC, of course, with all their additions, uh, Villanova, St. Mary's, Alabama, and Illinois. A couple of things that, one, I told you before we went on air live today that uh, Brad Underwood, uh, Illinois, let's be honest here, they lost their um, NCAA tournament game last year, and they kind of struggled through the last month and a half of the regular season last year. I believe he should be on the hot seat because that talent that he has on that yeah. roster, I know he had a couple players leave, but – uh, they they, they should have performed better than they did last year. So in my opinion, I think he should be on some sort of hot seat. And number two, Kentucky, they didn't have a good year last year. John Calipari, uh, if it was in the other program, he would be on the hot seat. But uh, he's he's got to start showing some light there too down there in Lexington. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, Zach Eddy is back for another year. I'm sure Purdue would love to get that taste out of their mouth, lose until 16 seed uh, over yeah. the tournament. Mar- Marquette, uh, UConn, the defending national champions. Uh, not a bad showing for them in the, in the top 10. Uh, Houston was just a couple games short of going back to the Final Four. Uh, Florida Atlantic was just short of going to the Final Four themselves. Uh, they got a lot of all their guys back. Uh, Duke looks really good uh, coming into the gate. Uh, Bronny James, we'll see. Hopefully, he's good health wise because that that even without him, you know that USC team is stacked. So they could definitely uh make a go at it in the uh, Pac-12 with Arizona. Arizona's got they're pretty much everybody back as well. So uh, Kyle's who starts in what about five weeks? Jesus, like good good grief! It comes yeah. up quick. Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as you always say, the, those seasons that are approaching us quick will be coming around the corner. All right, you're listening to Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, the Monday edition with Sid and Lakina here. As uh, we'll, we're in the kind of a somber note, but we're called this celebrating the life and a tribute to uh, passing uh, the passing of the actress, Miss Suzanne Marie Summers, who was born on. On October 16th, 1946, she passed away yesterday, Sunday, October 15th of 2023. She was an American actress, author, singer, businesswoman, and health spokesperson. She played the television roles of Chrissy Snow on Three's Company from 1977 through 1981 and Carol Foster Lambert on Step by Step from 1991 to 1998. Summers later wrote several books, including two autobiographies, four diet books, and a book of poetry and some of her credits to her long illustrious career includes the anniversary game man trip lots of luck the rock profile sky highs starsky and hutch the six million dollar man the love boat of course i mentioned three's company happily ever after full house eight track flashback devil's food and much more and she did numerous numerous tv movies and specials and she had her own show on qvc Mm-hmm. Yes, she did for a few years. At least she had like some like fitness products and health and wellness products. Um, she mm-hmm. kind of went against the went against the grain with, with the health and wellness stuff. So, uh, how have you felt about that? I mean, look, the Thigh Master. The, of course, we all saw the, the first commercials. You know, look between those TV gigs. You know, she look she yeah. had to make some money. So, look, she found a niche with the Thigh Master, and of course, it kind of took off and blew up. So, uh, you know that that kind of you know kind of got her going there on the money side. Now, you know, Three's Company, if you think of Three's Company, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the show as a whole, um, you know, down the line. But, you know, mm-hmm. I think she was like one of the, the third, like a third or a fourth, you know, person that they auditioned for the role of Chrissy. They had like two or three other actresses, you know, playing, you know, 
that Chris, you know, everyone else is good. You know, John Ritter, God rest his soul. We'll probably dedicate mm-hmm. something to him at some point. You know, Joyce yeah. DeWitt and uh, the rest of uh, and, and her, you know, they just had magic. And unfortunately, you know, Greed kind of got the best of her during that fourth season. If you remember in 1980, I, I don't know if they had it on YouTube anymore, but you go, if you get a chance, see the E-Trial Story of Three's Company. It kind of shows you why that why she left the show and how it yeah. kind of transpired. It started with the Newsweek uh, uh, article, well, Newsweek cover. You know that was big for a television show. You know, through his company, a lot of people thought you know it kind of launched you know Jiggle TV, if you will. <laughs> you know, however you feel about that, but that was definitely kind of like the story, of the start of that. And uh, you look, know, she kind of you know. She might have been a little bit too greedy. I think she, you know, she said in her bio- autobiography, you know, she, I guess she kind of felt that her approach would have been better because remember there was a riot strike also that year, 1980. So uh, that kind mm-hmm. of started all that trend. So unfortunately, lawsuits and, you know, everything else. But, but, you know, they said all that. Now we didn't hear from her for a few years on the TV side, but then Step by Step came along. And of course, after that, she started doing TV movies and, and such. So uh, she kind of was able to kind of, you know, was able to kind of get out of that hole that she self-inflictedly and she admitted this dug herself in, but she came back and became one of a, a great American icon. And don't forget, like you said, like again, with all that stuff that was going on at the time with the Three's Company, she did set the precedent for future actors and actresses as well. Mm-hmm. You know, for equal pay and mm-hmm. them to uh, demand more, or um, know their worth and uh, hold close to knowing their worth, because like you mentioned at the time. Well, female actresses weren't getting paid as much, whether it was in motion pictures or on television. So they're barely just scraping to get by. They, like you said, like like I'm getting ready to say now, you didn't have it. There was no social media back then. There was no computers, no cell phones, or anything like that. So the only thing you had to make money off of was television commercials and and doing extra movies and television specials. Um, that was available to you back then. Not too many things were available for uh, actresses like her back then. Unless she, you, you know, she. I know she fit that typical ditzy blind stereotype back then. But you know, not too many actresses at that time were allowed to venture out and do other roles, other roles outside of their realm at that time. But she kind of set that precedent behind the scenes of knowing, knowing what you're worth and and, and just having having pride within yourself and knowing your worth within the Hollywood circle. Yeah. And I think she probably would have gotten a little bit more had there been social media, had people, but you know, the, the fact that, you know, they were, yeah, she was ahead of her time. Yeah. The network kind of, you know, were they able to kind of like, you know, make her the bad guy and such, but you know, it is what it is. I know that she enjoys to it, you know, kind of, you know, butt heads, you know, when it came to that, I think also to John Ritter too. Uh, but I'm glad that after Ritter's on time, his untimely depth, you know, she and, you know, Joyce were able to kind of, you know, patch things up. So, you know, some mm-hmm. years after, after that, you know, a few years after, about a year after his death, they were kind of, they actually became good friends. And, um, you know, of course she, you know, battled cancer for years. Um, you know, just, uh, you know, just, just kept soldier on, kept, you know, kept pulling through. I know her, her husband, Alan, you know, they've been together for, I think for like 40 some odd years, my, you know, then she got married. I think they married like right Right after uh, Three's Company premiered, and of course they have five sons together, and of course mm-hmm. numerous grandkids. And and look, she was definitely kind of like, well, how have you felt about her approach to that? I mean, look, like you said, I mean, they they you know they made actresses especially uh, know their worth and whatnot. And uh, look, you know, she went against the grain. And uh, look, how do you feel about you know some of the, the, the approach that she uses? I mean, look, you know, she stayed, she stayed true to who she was, and uh, look, she kind of you know followed on that. 
Yes, her legacy, her uh, approach to uh, the Hollywood scene, uh, both film and television, into her other uh, entrepreneurial in, endeavors, inventions and endeavors will never be forgotten. So our Old School TV Monday special tribute to the late Suzanne Summers. Lakina closes out. All right, you follow that Keena McGee on the Twitter, X at Kiosk Room, getting the IG. You can follow yours truly, Sydney Brown, on the Twitter, X in the IG at CK80. Once again, at CK80, that's S I D K I D 80. S I D K I D 80. Make sure you download that Sports on Chicago app wherever you get your apps. Make sure you follow Sports on Chicago on all social media platforms Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. Please subscribe to our podcast at War Media Podcast. That's W A R R Media, P O D C A S T S. We are on all podcast platforms, including that iHeartRadio app. And make sure you follow War Media on all social media platforms at WARR Media on Facebook, Twitter, X, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you very much in advance for your support. Like, share, subscribe, and tell your friends. Yes, Second City Sports live in, in living color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time right here on Sports Zone Chicago. One more again, as the kids would say. Catch Second City Sports live in living color every Monday, every Friday from noon to 2 p.m. Central Standard Time, exclusively on Sports Zone Chicago. And, of course, you can catch our show and any other shows anytime you want on Roku TV. Of course, go to your app store and your Roku uh, app, uh, whatever device you got. You know, you know, you catch our show, Sean and Maya, the Smoke Fellas. Uh, what's up, Cuz? I'm sure Jason will be in a good mood tonight with his, you know, Dolphins winning. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you catch them out tonight at six, and then a whole lot more. So you can catch it, catch you know our shows anytime, anywhere. All right, I'm re- getting ready to bounce and and stay warm in this cool fall weather we have around Chicago land. Yeah, and everywhere else too around the country. Well, except, well, except if you're out, yeah. out west in Los Angeles and, and Vegas. But uh, of course, also to get the Wednesday, we'll see the you know, speed of Vegas. You know, the Vegas Aces. Hopefully, they can you know uh, finish up the the WNBA Finals and win their second straight championship. That game will be uh, game three will be at six o'clock on ESPN, I believe, on Wednesday. So check that out as well. All the rest of the sports, all the baseball and such. Make sure you guys check that out as you get for more uh, football coming up this weekend. We'll have more. Uh, we'll talk more about that coming up on Friday. First, sit on the KSA more, like he said. This is Second City Sports on Sports on Chicago, and we'll see you Friday. Doubles. Holla.